for Tuesday, May 4th, 2021. This is Did You Wash Your Hands? We're a podcast from WABE answering the questions everyone's asking during the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm health reporter Sam Whitehead. Today, one approach to getting reluctant populations inoculated? Have their primary care doctors offer them a COVID-19 vaccine? People think of it as just a shot, but it is a medical procedure. And some people want to do that in private, especially the groups of people that we're talking about who are hesitant to begin with. Dr. Cecil Bennett, a primary care provider in Noonan, Georgia, talks to me about what he's doing to address vaccine reluctance among his patients. That's next. You love free, and at Ameris Bank, so do we. That's why we're proud to offer worry-free, hassle-free Ameris Bank free checking. Manage your money your way with convenient access to digital, mobile, and telephone banking, all with no monthly service fee or minimum balance requirements. At Ameris Bank, we're with you. For more information or to open an account, visit our local bankers in person or online at amerisbank.com slash free checking. Other fees such as overdraft fees may apply. Ameris Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Support for WABE's local coverage on maternal health and mortality comes from Georgia Health Initiative, whose mission is to inspire and promote collective action that advances health equity for all Georgians. Learn more at georgiahealthinitiative.org. Primary care providers are likely to play a key role in the next phase of the COVID-19 vaccination effort as they use their personal relationships with patients to convince skeptics to get inoculated. Dr. Cecil Bennett has been dealing with that firsthand at his family medicine practice in Noonan, Georgia. He's with me now to discuss how he talks with his patients about COVID-19 vaccines and the role of primary care doctors in the vaccine rollout. Dr. Bennett, thanks for talking with me. You're welcome. So I want to start just by having you describe your practice for me. All right. Well, I'm a family medicine physician or family doc. I've been a family doc for this will be my 20th year in private practice. I have three other nurse practitioners that work with me daily. We see patients between the ages of 18 and uh, 99. (laughs) So that pretty much from adolescence uh, all the way to into their 90s. We have a total of maybe about 2,000 patients, so we're, we're fairly busy here. And talk to me a little bit about the kind of demographic makeup of those patients. So you're, you're in Noonan, which, you know, is maybe more exurban than suburban. So talk to me about the kind of people who actually come to see you. That's a very good question, because my patient population is a very important piece of this herd immunity status that we're trying to get to as the country. The majority of my uh, patients are conservative Republican, probably 80%. And I'm in a ruby red district when you look at a uh, congressional seat. Um, so I'm, I'm among a demographic that's very cautious about government to begin with. So, you know, every day I have these conversations about vaccine hesitancy. Talk with me about how your patients generally view the pandemic and COVID in and of itself. 
Well, there are two sets of people. Um, there are one set of people that were very fearful and followed all precautions as outlined by the CDC, wearing masks, social distancing, washing their hands, etc. But I had a subgroup of patients who did not believe the virus was real, you know, wore masks occasionally, had no issue with gathering together in large groups. Uh, so it's really two different dynamics going on in my practice. How has that played out in the patients who have come to see you? I mean, have you seen patients with COVID who maybe don't take this seriously or maybe who don't think that the coronavirus is real, even to push it to that extreme? You'd be surprised that even patients who've had COVID within their family and people hospitalized in the ICU are still reluctant to wear a mask and wondering whether or not the virus is real. I can't explain it, but I come across that, you know, at least a few of those patients every month. There's an acknowledgement from public health officials that a lot of the people who are really excited to get the vaccine and would maybe go to a mass vaccination site that maybe they've gotten that chance to get a shot. So what kind of conversations are you having with your patients about vaccination? Well, I've been speaking to, with my patients from the very beginning of the vaccine availability. And the first thing they've always asked is, doctor, when are you getting the vaccine? Because my patients are not one to go to mass vaccination sites. They want their primary care provider to provide vaccinations for them. And I've tried over the last four months and I still have no vaccine in my office. So it, it is a challenge for me and it would be a lot easier if I actually had the vaccine here to administer when I speak with my patients. I can understand to some extent why the federal government and the state government chose to use mass vaccination sites to get motivated people out there as soon as possible. But I'm still concerned that there was not much of an effort incorporating primary care physicians from the very beginning, because we see 75% of all the patients in this country, 75% of all seniors have a primary care provider. Think of where we would be if we all had access to vaccine. I really believe that the only way we can bend that curve back in an upward position as far uh, upward direction, I should say, regarding the number of people getting vaccinated daily is to have PCPs much more involved than we are right now. I think initially, no primary care offices had vaccine at all. Even the, the bigger providers such as Emory, Piedmont, Kaiser, then vaccine became available to those bigger family medicine outlets. There are a couple of my associates who are independent providers just like myself, and one of them have actually gotten a supply of vaccine about 100 doses after applying to the state over three months ago. I applied for vaccine about a month ago, and we've heard nothing back from the state. Have you followed up at all, or is it just kind of been crickets? We follow up every week, and um, the answer is, you know, we'll get to you. Talk to me then about what that has effectively done for the people you serve to not be able to actually administer a vaccine to them uh, there in the office. The people who really want to be vaccinated um, really need to be vaccinated. My seniors who can hardly get around, they can't get in a car and drive, you know, to the Noonan Fairgrounds or drive to the to, to Mercedes-Benz Stadium. They don't want to do that. They want to be vaccinated in my office. And it's very frustrating when I'm unable to provide vaccine for them. And then I have another population, as I said before, who are hesitant, who 
really were against the vaccine, didn't believe the virus was real. I spent a lot of time convincing them about the virus and the need for the vaccine to the point where they're saying, okay, I'm going to go ahead and get vaccinated. And again, I've got to send them to a mass vaccination site. It just was not the right way to roll out the vaccine to only certain groups of distribution points and not to the largest uh, distribution point, which to me are primary care providers. I, I thought it was very, I, I really believe it was unfair. And I really would like to know why it's taking so long to get to us. Do you feel like you've been able to uh, convince people who might have been hesitant? And, and, and what have those conversations been like where you've convinced someone that vaccination is something that's worthwhile? For my patients who were hesitant and totally resistive to being vaccinated, they trust my judgment. I've been the provider for 10 to 15 years. You know, this is a medical procedure. I mean, people think of it as just a shot, but it is a medical procedure. And some people want to do that in private. They don't want to do that in public, especially the groups of people that we're talking about who are hesitant to begin with. They don't want to go to a big open air site, stand in line to be vaccinated. They have a right to be vaccinated in the privacy of their doctor's office. You mentioned that a lot of your patients are, are pretty conservative, that you're in a very conservative part of Metro Atlanta. Talk to me a little bit about the racial and ethnic breakdown, too, uh, and, and how you've seen that kind of come into play. Yes, as, as I said before, I'm in a very conservative part of southern Atlanta, we'll call it that. Probably 70% of my patients are Caucasian and 30% African-American. I have probably, I would say maybe 90% of my African-American population have no issue being vaccinated. And you know their issue was trying to get online and find a place to go. Um, so they were willing to be vaccinated. That 10%, it was very easy for me to convince them to get vaccinated. And they would even be motivated enough to go and seek out the vaccine. Uh, for my Caucasian population, which again is the majority of my population, uh, I would say 60% were, were aggressive in trying to find vaccine, uh, but I still have about 40% who are hesitant, uh, again, not fully believing in the virus and also believing that the vaccine will harm them. Do you feel like those conversations are harder um, as a Black provider? That's a very good question. You know. I, I moved down to uh, South Georgia, well, Peachtree City, I guess, South Atlanta, I guess that's really not, not South Georgia, um, about 20 years ago. And um, I bought a practice there, and initially, 25% of patients left without even meeting me. Of the 75% left, we were able to develop a very strong relationship, a strong bond. I started to see them more often. I started to see their family members, their friends, and other relatives. And I've been down here now for, as I said before, 20 years. So over that time, I've developed a very strong relationship with my patients. I mean, we're friends. We talk to each other about, I call it the three Gs. We talk about God, guns, and government. I mean, most doctors don't talk about that stuff, but I do. Because again, you know, to me, we're friends. So it's very easy for me to have these conversations and for them to be, you know, candid with me. I mean, there was one patient I saw <laughs> about a month ago, I said, wait a minute, didn't I see you at that Trump rally with a Trump shirt on? I started laughing because it was him <laughs> at, that, at that rally. But that's the kind of friendly relationship that I have with my patients. I'm their provider. They're my patient. But we've been together for so long that they trust what I'm saying. 
And I'm 100% certain if I had vaccine in my office, the majority of these individuals would have gotten vaccinated that day. This is Did You Wash Your Hands? I'm Sam Whitehead talking today with Dr. Cecil Bennett, a primary care provider in Noonan, Georgia, about what he's doing to address vaccine hesitancy among his patients. I certainly understand that there is this access issue that you're dealing with actually getting your hands on doses. But I'm also wondering just about some of the messaging that we've heard come from state officials, from federal officials about vaccination. What have you been hearing from people over the course of the pandemic that that you think has really been effective messaging or things that maybe you, you think have been not so effective? It all depends on the group of people you're speaking with. If you're talking with individuals who believe COVID is real, then they would say that the government messaging has been great and on target. If you talk to those individuals who believe that that the virus, you know, is from China and was really, you know, fabricated, you know, that's a different um, response when it comes to the messaging from government. And that's the group of people that I can reach. And that's a group of people that I'm really trying my best to, to just hold together you know, until I have an opportunity to get them vaccinated. But overall, the messaging, I say for the general population, has been well received, except, and I keep saying this over and over again, that it is frustrating to me when I hear the president or anyone else, uh, the CDC director, and they, they talk about pharmacies, they talk about supermarkets, they talk about all these places, And that one time in the last three months, have I heard anything from anyone about the importance of primary care doctors in this effort to vaccinate America? To be fair, there does seem to be a little bit of a shift uh, happening. You know, we're seeing here in Georgia a number of these mass vaccination sites that have been run by the Georgia Emergency Management Agency. They're going to be closing down later this month. And the Biden administration, their COVID officials on a recent press call did talk about, you know, kind of the next phase of the pandemic where we've reached all the people with vaccine who really want it. And we want to kind of get to the community level face-to-face conversations and even into primary care physicians' offices. Are you optimistic that maybe this next phase of the pandemic is going to be one that enables you to do more for your patients when it comes to vaccination? As a primary care provider, I'm I'm used to being at the back of the line, put it that way. I mean, we're we're really not thought about um, to the general public as much as the surgeons you see on television, the ER doctor uh, shows you see, I mean, they get all the glory. So we're used to being last in line and I'll wait my turn. I mean, I'm frustrated I don't have a vaccine yet, but I'll trust the government that their plan will work. But I really believe that we could have been incorporated faster. And talk to me about what that could have looked like had you been incorporated faster. I think that there is some argument to be made for, you know, doing volume quickly, which really seemed to be the approach here, with, especially with these big mass vaccination sites. I know that's what they thought, but let's talk about the reality of where we would be today if primary care providers actually were involved from the very beginning, as opposed to ma- these mass vaccination sites. No infrastructure was needed, no stadium was needed, no structure had to be built, no individuals had to be hired if vaccine had gone to us from the very beginning. So I know that they had a plan and they, they, they thought that their plan was a good plan, but primary care providers involved in the very beginning was a better plan. And I understand why they did their plan. Their plan was based on a public health model, 
of how this is rolled out like they did 50 years ago or 80 years ago uh, during polio or, small, or, or smallpox. This is 100 years later. 50, 75 years ago, primary care doctors were not a major part of the landscape from East Coast to West Coast. We're currently from East Coast to West Coast in inner cities, in the rural areas, hard to reach areas. We are a fabric across the entire country. So I understand that their public health model, they believe was the best way and the best route. But realistically, it's going to be hard to convince me that 300,000 providers being sent vaccine from the very beginning could not have gotten a greater percentage of this country vaccinated by now. I'm a younger person. I'm in my early 30s. And the last time I had a really uh, long term relationship with a primary care provider was when I was a, a child. I had a pediatrician that I saw for years and years. But I don't think I'm a minority in the fact that I'm a younger person who's in relatively good health, who doesn't have that kind of relationship that you're talking about with a primary care physician. I I'm wondering, is that something that is harder and harder to find for, for people these days? The idea that you have a long-term relationship with one provider who knows you and your medical history is kind of that trusted source of information? Because it's certainly something that I've never known as an adult. Well, you bring up a point being a younger person. Remember this, the majority of people that are going to physicians are the ones that have been most vulnerable during this pandemic, right? It's not you. It's people 50 years and older in my age group, and we go to the doctor. So the infrastructure has been was you know could have is in place by primary care physicians for the individuals of chronic medical issues. This is all they've been talking about that we need to vaccinate the elderly and people with chronic medical conditions as quickly as possible. Those people have primary care providers. People like you have no issue with going online on your smartphone, and pulling up a site, and, and jumping in your car and driving to the stadium and standing in line. My 75-year-old patient is going to do that. My 75-year-old patient has a much higher risk of death due to COVID than you do. So I understand that younger people may not see the primary care route as something viable because they have no relationship for primary care. But the vast majority of people who needed to be vaccinated are those with chronic condition or the elderly that have access to physicians. What is your hope for for what comes next? I, I think we have, you know, reached a point in, in the pandemic where we've achieved some milestones. The Biden administration last week announced some 200 million vaccine doses had been administered in the first 100 days of their administration. There's a substantial portion of the adult population that have received their their two shots if they're getting a two shot regimen. How do you assess kind of where we are right now in, in, in the pandemic and, and where do you think things are going to go from here? Well, you know, given where we were a year from now and the, the missteps that were made, and I don't think anyone be would believe two things. One, that we have not one, but multiple vaccine against COVID, which to me is the greatest medical victory we have ever experienced in the world ever. I mean, that, that sounds over the top, but, but people don't understand how difficult it is to develop a vaccine and how long it takes. And the fact that the entire world banded together and we were able to do something in such a short period of time is just an absolute medical miracle. And that's one great, great thing that has happened. The second is the dedication of the Biden administration to ensuring that as many people get vaccinated as quickly as possible with their plan. 
I, I read their plan and it, it's, it's a solid plan. And um, the goal was initially 100 million doses and within 100 days. And what they ended up with was pretty much 100 million people fully vaccinated in 100 days, which is one third of the country. When you take that one third of the country vaccinated, you take another percentage when you're looking at those who have already had COVID and have immunity, we've come a long way. And I, I'm very optimistic about going down to Florida this summer without a mask. Dr. Cecil Bennett is a primary care provider in Noonan, Georgia. Did You Wash Your Hands? It's a production of 90.1 WABE Atlanta, where ATL meets NPR. WABE's managing editor is Alex Helmick. Scott Wolfel is chief content officer. You can reach us at washyourhands at wabe.org. You can find all our episodes in your favorite podcast app. That's also where you can leave us a rating and a review. That really helps other people find the show. And you can find more stories on the coronavirus pandemic at wabe.org slash coronavirus. If you haven't recently, now might be a good time to go wash your hands. I'm Sam Whitehead. Thanks for listening. mysteries. Are ghosts real? Is that yogurt expired? Hey, the unknown can be scary, but when you donate to WABE, you know where your money is going. Your gift supports the journalism that keeps you informed and the programs that pull back the curtain on complicated stories. Help us make the world less mysterious. Become a member now. Go online to wabe.org donate and thanks.